Welcome to Fear Less, an audio series designed to help you take action towards letting go of your eating disorder. My name is Jessica Flint, and I'll be your guide to helping you embody the recovered version of yourself. Like every human being ever to walk this planet, you and I are not immune to fear. It is biologically programmed into our brains. At the same time, I'm committed to not letting fear control my destiny and want you to have the same freedom. Every time we choose courage over fear, we grow stronger and receive what we desire most in regards to our recovery, our health, love, wealth, and impact in the world. In order to fully let go of your eating disorder and whatever is holding you back in life, you need to learn how to alchemize fear into courage. So let's lock arms and do this work together. Welcome back, my warrior loves. Today, we are going to be talking about stepping outside of your comfort zone. And now, we know this is such an important process as being able to toe our way or step our way out of these confines that we've created in our mind. And my co-pilot along on this fearless journey has been Andrea Wells, who is the new host of Recover Strong. So welcome, Andrea. Love to be talking with you about this topic of fear. Thank you. I'm so proud of the work that we've been doing going through Fearless, and I'm excited for more. Me too. You know what? We're like, our downloads are like super hot. At first, I was like, who wants to hear about fear? You know, like we're the ones who are like, let's talk about fear. <laughs> I, at first, I was a little worried that people are going to be like, why do I want to like look at fear, right? Because I want to avoid fear, right? We looked at how anxiety is really rooted in avoidance. And we can avoid these topics. So listener, that you're just sticking here around and going on this adventure with us. We just love it that you're you're boldly facing fears and at least just learning about them early. I mean, I think first we just theory to practice to mastery. So we're covering the theory here. We're giving you practices, but ultimately the mastery is going to come day by day, week by week, month by month that you start to push past these fears, push past your comfort zone. Yeah. And this is an important piece of the recovery process. Yeah. Working with fear is so important for recovery. So I am not so surprised that people are into it because I think it's very valuable and very helpful. And I'm glad that people are understanding that and seeing that taking on fear is an important part of recovery for an eating disorder and beyond just to get you through life. Totally. It's what is on the other side of our fear. And that's what we're looking at with this comfort zone. And we can look at, you know, I've seen this image before where there's like a circle and this is your comfort zone. And then outside of this is like everything that you want, these things that we desire, that we want in life. And they really are just like that little X outside of the comfort zone. And we have to sit with the ability to tolerate the discomfort that comes from facing our fears, trying new behaviors out, becoming a different version of yourself, meaning a different way of thinking, of being, of doing. All of these these things combine and ultimately create and widen our, our comfort zone. And have you found in Andrea and just your eating disorder recovery that your comfort zone has widened? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, healing from an eating disorder and healing like the body and struggles that I really severely struggled with definitely widened my world and what I'm comfortable with. And it's reminding me of an experience that I had in my recovery journey of opening myself up to 
like real love and intimacy for the first time. And it's reminding me of like, yeah, I'm stepping outside of my comfort zone into something bigger and better. I had the man who is now my husband. I met him online and I was so scared to meet him in person. Surprise, because of body image. I was like, how is he going to receive me? Is he going to think I'm ugly and not like me? Which I think a lot of people can relate to whether you date someone online or not. (laughs) Those fears came up. And in the past, it had prevented me from pursuing relationships and taking connections further that I had. And I was in a place of recovery where I didn't want that to happen again. I was scared. I was uncomfortable. I stepped outside of my comfort zone. I met him in person anyway. And now we are married. So, And I'm living in a in a comfortable way outside of these fears, putting myself out there in ways that I was too scared to before so that my comfort zone has definitely widened there. It's not scary or hard anymore, but in the beginning it was. Oh, I love stories like those because <laughs> it really shows that like, well, it's in our moments of decision that our destiny is shaped. Like you could have gone back into fear and been like, no, like I, I can't tolerate the judgment or rejection that could come from my body. So I'm not going to even put myself out there to meet him. And then bum, 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 bum. He made a decision to act outside of the fear narrative, fear story, and look what happened, right? Like I rolled the dice. <laughs> you, you put a you you gave a vote for your future self. You gave a vote for what you want. Like, I want connection. I want intimacy. I want a relationship. And then there's conscious votes and there's unconscious votes. I will have to just kind of I'll share like a, a piece with, with mine because you know, my fear less is much more just around trust in love, like just being able to open up to an intimate relationship. And at this point, it's not about body for me. It's not about, I mean, like it, it's so evolved. Like I, my understanding of this um, issue problem, you could say is like, it's not about who I am. We can often judge ourselves like, oh my God, I'm not this enough or this enough. And it's like, okay, like I know it's so much deeper than that. Like I know I'm all these things. I know I'm a good catch. Hell yeah. Like it's <laughs> but then it's like, wait, then what's really like holding back? Where's the the snag that can keep causing these things to come up? And what was really revelatory for me is um I do what's called dream analysis and I work with what's called an analyst. It's a, you know, a licensed therapist who works with dream symbology. So this is dreams are very symbolic. They help you really tap into the unconscious, but they're not logical. So what I'm about to share is not logic. I don't want you to like literally equate this. Like this is symbolism. Okay. So I had a really important dream in the very beginning of my analysis that just really revealed the idea of the unconscious and the way it can hold you back. And we were exploring how in this dream, I actually was on, (laughs) I was giving a TED talk and I was on stage. And so with that kind of symbolism, I'm in a position of like, here I am, I'm an authority, I'm a teacher, I have something to share. And the audience was all of my students from the Courage Club who are all in committed partnerships where their husband is just like there for them. And, you know, they're actively struggling with their eating disorder. Their husband is just next to them, like not going to leave them, writing this out with them, just so supportive. So that was my audience. So it's always important in the dreams. You can unpack like every little detail in a dream. So it's like my audience is women who are married with great relationships, just loyal, faithful men who are there, won't like not going to leave them. And here I am, like about to, you know, talk about how love is so vulnerable. Like when you love somebody, 
like the feeling of it. It's like when you are strapped down to a chair and someone is sitting there pouring little tiny drops of acid on you. And everybody's eyes in the audience were like huge in not following me, like just like WTF, like that's what she thinks falling in like love is like, is being strapped down into a chair and having acid poured on you. So I'm doing my talk still, you know, you read in the room, you're like, wait a second, like they weren't feeling that. Let me like go with my next analogy of what falling in love is like. And I was like, you know, okay, like little much for them. Uh, It's like getting stabbed with little tiny daggers while you're still strapped to the chair. So the idea for me is that it's the unconscious relates this experience to pain, to immense pain and being super helpless, like trapped, literally stuck with no ability to move, no ability to defend myself, no ability to protect myself. Zero, right? The most helpless position you can be is in a chair with your hands strapped down and having somebody trying to hurt you. And so what it reveals is like, if that's my unconscious relationship to to connection, to intimacy, to falling in love, you better bet yourself that my unconscious will try so hard to keep me safe, to keep me away from that, right? To not ever get me into that position. And so this is when we have to do like this, or for me at least, have to do this deeper healing work. And I've even had you know a friend say like, what would it be like if they were pouring love on you? And that was such a different experience. You're still tied down. You're still helpless. It, you know, you still can't control what's going to happen, but it's love that they're pouring on you. And that really just made me cry when that, when I was thinking about that, because it was like, wow, you know, I could relax, but I would still like, because the other, you know, when you're someone's trying to hurt you, once again, guys, dream analogy is not direct. I really don't think it's like they're actually like literally pour acid on me, but I do feel like they're going to hurt me. They're going to burn me at some point and I'm going to, you know, have irreversible damage, essentially, you could say, right? If you get disfigured, that, that there's strong wounding damage that will never be, you'll never be the same. So that's such a like intense experience. And sometimes we live with these intense experiences. I mean, I've gone what? I mean, until that dream really came to me, that was like decades of my life struggling with the relationship with a man because of this deep fear, but not even knowing it because my conscious is like, da, 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 like, I want to be in a relationship. Like, can't wait to get married. <laughs> you know, <laughs> this is going to be awesome. And no, like, that's not what that's not what my inner world was really feeling. So hence, not really finding the things happening. So for me, fearless, I have to tell you guys, like it is a very intimate journey for me because I'm this fear is like deep. It's not, this isn't, and I know you guys have your fears and they're deep. They feel real. They're strong. They're, they're powerful. This isn't like, hey, snap out of it, girl. It, in, it can take a lot of energy from us and But why I I say this is that I could live my whole life letting this fear rule me. Or I can look at stepping outside of the comfort zone. And this concept of a fear door has been really helpful for me because I find that I love the unavailability of people. Like I love being at a closed door because a closed door is just like, all right, I'm just going to like mope in front of this closed door (laughs) just like sit here because there's no opportunity there, but I can't get hurt if I do that. Because let's just be real. If we're like trying to beat our head against a closed door, 
<laughs> we don't really have to change because we know what we're getting into. It's the same thing. And what's on the other side of that is what I love to to help me navigate with these fears is what is on the other side of our fear when that door is open. So when I think about that, it is like cuddles. It is kisses. It's being able to support one another and cheer them on and get to see them become their best actualized self and be like, oh my gosh, go you, you know, and to have somebody there for you. I'm like getting all emotional. Aww. I want it so bad. <laughs> but oh, here you go, Andrea. I need a moment. Oh, of course. Don't. And Jessica, remember, <laughs> you can give yourself these things too. I know it's not the same, but it's okay. It's okay. I feel for you. It, it is nice to have those things. And that's why in a previous episode, I said like, my husband is not my other half. He's my other whole because I'm whole by myself. You're whole by yourself. You're worthy by yourself. And I know that this is something that you've struggled with and it's hard for you. Well, that's why we're going through fear less, right? We're unpacking it. So thank you for your vulnerability. Uh, oh, take a moment, Jessica. <laughs> Andrea and I are both criers. Yeah, we are, yeah. <laughs> Jessica's crying. I've cried. <laughs> No shame and tears. <laughs> yeah. Um, such a crier. Well, no, it's emotion. It just moves because I, I do find when we get so emotional, it's because there is, you know, something powerful behind it, right? Yeah. And you're right, Andrea. It is about being whole. And and that's been my work. It just doesn't feel as fun, you know? Like, I don't want to say that. It is fun. It just feels like the fear, when the fear holds us back so much from what we want, it it can be a painful experience. And because it's really holding us back from, from connection, right? I, I feel ultimately fear is what keeps us separate from others. It holds us back from connection. And an eating disorder does that. When you're strong in your eating disorder, you're very disconnected because all you're thinking about is food and body. And, you know, when the next meal is and how can you check off that exercise box for the day, right? Like it becomes all consuming. And so when our fears are so controlling, they they do take us away from genuine connection. So yeah, my ultimate goal would be to go through that fear door and feel so confident and safe with myself that no matter what happens, I'm okay. Mm-hmm. That's inspiring. And I, and I know you, you've, co- you've accomplished so much. I know that you're on the way to getting there. I'm not three years in yet, guys, of like solid, yeah, <laughs> solid commitment. So I know I am. I am. I'm doing the work. I'm doing the work. You absolutely are. We all have things that we're working on here together and fearless. You're sharing yours. I'm sharing mine. The listener has theirs. And I think it's really beautiful that we can share this vulnerably and candidly and grow together. I agree. I think it's important to to work on our fears because once again, on the other side of the fear is ultimately what we want. And these deep, entrenched fears they they don't have to to control our our fate and ultimately what we can get out of our life and I know how hard it is to work past them like trust me I know from just a deep level how scary it can feel to make changes in your life when you're just used to to a certain status quo and how things have always been and um, but we're doing this together like you said and today's lesson, is uh, one of my favorites. I think, so if you're a listener of the show, you've probably heard it before. It's definitely our most played episode. <laughs> um, uh, and it's a it's a story that I share about my beloved dog, Ona. Uh, she unfortunately passed last year and she was 
she was like my ride or die. Uh, we were together since her birth for nine and a half years. And unfortunately, yes, she did die early, I would say, of um, a brain tumor. So actually, I, I just got inspired to read something I uh, wrote on my Instagram about Ona. Um, during the process of her of her dying, I think it was recently right after she passed, because you know, I, I share this deep fear of abandonment, right? That I that I have, or just this like losing love and just how like intense it can be. And uh with Ona, that didn't happen. Like that whole fear story didn't happen with Ona. She was the safest love I have ever felt. She was just the most secure connection that I've had. And I know it's a dog and like I'm not going to undermine that, actually. She's a dog. She was a dog, and it was amazing. And I said, Godspeed, Ona. Yesterday was her last day at Earth School. She was a wise teacher. I used to call her Yona because of her Yoda-like ears and patient presence. Such a force of love. (laughs) And I said, Yoda once said, quote, always pass on what you've learned. So here are three valuable lessons from Ona I wanted to share with you. Number one, don't let the pain of the ending hold you back from loving deeply. Unlike with human relationships, I never let anxiety about losing Ona stop me from becoming bonded and loving her with all my heart. She taught me that love cannot grow to its full potential while rooted in fear. Number two, live with blind faith. In Ona's final weeks, she became blind due to her brain tumor and seizures, and she still walked and strolled around with a sense of trust and innocence that all would be okay. And it was. I was compassionately watching over her every step. She taught me to blindly take the next step and trust that you will be safe and taken care of. And number three, our limiting beliefs create pain and separation, not only within ourselves, but with the people who care about us most. Ona's love had no barriers created by limiting beliefs. Her love was unconditional. She had no yardstick by which to measure my or her worth or lovability. No psychological projections that distanced her from me. Just simple, uncomplicated love and communication of her needs. I aspire to love and trust like Ona. So, yeah, I felt like that was just such a a beautiful encapsulation of that nine and a half year relationship that I had, one of the most meaningful relationships I had. And it was all love. And and the fear really wasn't what operated in that connection. And and that's what made it so beautiful for me. And um, yeah, so. This lesson will be an honor and a tribute to Ona. And if you've listened to the story before, either just be like, I know the story, play it back in your heads. You can take the lesson from it because that's an important part of a reiteration is getting the lesson over and over and over again. We need that. And I recommend listening to it again if if you are called to and if this is your first time. Oh, my dear. You're going to get to know a little bit more about Ona, the wonder dog. I've heard it multiple times myself, and I think it's lovely every time. <laughs> so there's always something to gain. And if you haven't heard it yet, you are in for a little treat. It's an inspiring story. Oh, okay. Andrea was like, wait, we played this one before. And I was like, oh, you're right. Let's do it again. It's like a <laughs> kind of a proud mom where you're like, eh, they can never hear it enough. <laughs> so yes, this is me being a proud mama to Ona and... uh yeah, giving her some more airtime for you guys. But it really is a beautiful story about walking through a fear door. And um, we all have that opportunity to see what's on the other side <sighs> as we bravely step our way through these obstacles that we've created within our own minds and hearts. Let's get into the lesson.
In our lesson today, I'm going to share a story in hopes of inspiring you to take a step toward your fear, not steps away. Now, it's so common with fear to have this kind of imaginary line that you draw that I will go not one step past this line because this is my safety zone. This is my comfort zone, whether it's conscious or unconscious. This idea of having a comfort zone and anything outside of it feels too scary to go into. So what happens when you actually have something outside of your comfort zone that you truly desire, right? This is something that you want to have or be or do and is outside of the comfort zone. Well, what I believe is that when we are unable to cross outside of that comfort zone, we begin to suffer. We suffer when we hold ourselves back in who we are capable of becoming. An important symbol that often turns up in people's dreams or is often used in stories to represent a new start or a new approach to life is the symbol of an open door. Can you picture right now an open door in your mind? But instead of calling it an open door, we're going to refer to it as a fear door. So some of the most important achievements in our life come from us taking courageous acts to do something that we're afraid of. Which brings me to some wisdom of Ralph Waldo Emerson. And he said, quote, always do what you are afraid to do, end quote. He goes on to further say, quote, be an opener of doors, end quote. And finally, quote, do the thing you fear and the death of fear is certain, end quote. So clearly, Ralph Waldo Emerson is an advocate of courage in doing what you're afraid to do, being an opener of doors. So this concept of a fear door, I want you to envision it as where you're at right now, right? With your fears in this space and on the other side of that door is your changed life. And what it takes for you to walk through that is courage and trust in knowing that you will be able to handle whatever happens on the other side of that door. Now, first, I want you to think about, has there been a time in your life where you walked through a fear door that changed your life? I will confidently say that there is a strong yes for you. Unless you've literally been living in a bubble, you have done something that was scary and you've walked through it and you found, hey, on the other side of it, maybe that wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Or, woof, that was pretty damn scary, but I'm living, I'm breathing, and I'm still kicking. I was able to handle it. And this idea of comfort zone and really stepping into who you are at your best reminds me of my beloved dog, Ona. And a story and how she has been able to overcome her fears in order to really step into the best, most amazing dog she could possibly be. And by listening, you may find some of yourself in her story. So it all begins back in 2012, December 21st, 2012. And if you don't remember, that was when the Mayan calendar predicted the end of the world. <laughs> but it was actually the beginning of new life for a dog named Ona. And I was at the time living in a small fishing uh, and surfing village in Mexico. And I was living here in Mexico because at the time I was in a relationship with a Spaniard that I met in graduate school when I was doing my degree in marine geophysics. And I finished my master's degree and I was a seagoing oceanographer. 
So I would spend 100 days a year, more or less, non-consecutively out at sea, going on oceanic expeditions to Hawaii, South Africa, Australia, Fiji. It was all over the world. And the other 265 days, I would stay in Mexico. I would surf in the morning and I would work on developing the Rise Up and Recover app. Now, this is an app that I created to help people who have eating disorders monitor their meals and learn more about the behavioral drivers of their eating disorder. So at this time period, uh, I was in the relationship and, you know, you often kind of think, well, are we going to go anywhere? Let's get a dog first before doing anything, any, before doing anything more serious than that. And so our friends had a recent litter of puppies. And when it came time to pick the puppy, I felt pulled towards this one that was the darkest of all the litter. The rest were just really blonde puppies. And she had some more darker colors to her. And I thought, okay, I'll take this one. And so I took her and I adopted Ona. Ona means wave, like an ocean wave in the language of Catalan. So I was with a Spaniard from Barcelona and they speak a language called Catalan. And so Ona, my little ocean wave, came with me back to the house. Now, I quickly discovered that Ona wasn't necessarily a quote-unquote normal puppy. All of the other puppies were crawling all over me and licking me. And Ona was scared of everything. She was scared of light sources and sound sources. And honestly, I did question, did I pick the right puppy? Like, this one is, this one seems pretty complicated. You know, she's scared of everything and, you know, she won't let me touch her belly. I, I thought maybe there could have been a developmental issue that she had. And I was a little bit concerned that, hmm, this dog doesn't seem normal. And it turns out that Ona's very sensitive, extremely sensitive. It took her a few weeks to adjust living with us. We needed to earn her trust slowly to let her know that she's safe and that she's okay. So this sensitive superpower of Ona's was something that I discovered very early. And she also was an explorer, just like me. And true to her Sagittarius spirit, she loved freedom and being able to roam around the rocks on the shore of the beach that we lived at. I would go out to surf and jump into the water and she would stay there and just play around. And she just loved to have her freedom. And then one day, something changed. A giant, ginormous whale washed up onto the beach, dead. And in this little fishing, surfing village, they don't necessarily have a whale cleanup crew. So their response to the giant, ginormous whale washing up on the beach was, leave it, leave it there until it's no longer there. Now, you can only imagine the smell of a giant decomposing whale carcass. I, well, I hope you actually can't imagine the smell of it because it is putrid and it is pungent and it was so... Ugh. Now, during this time, Ona would love to go explore around the whale. And dogs and cats, they have this really... They have this interesting behavior where they love to rub themselves in dead things. So Ona would go and rub herself in whale guts and would come back home really proud, like, hey, mom, look at me. Can't you see that I found a dead whale for us to eat for dinner? And I'd be like, oh my God, Ona, what are you doing? So I would take the hose outside and I would clean her off. 
And this happened dozens and dozens of times because this whale took months and months and months to decompose. And there was one time in particular where Ona came to the front door covered in whale guts. And I was just having one of those days, you know, where I was just stressed out and I didn't want to have it. I was just, mm, that was the last straw. So I reacted heavily to Ona. I was so angry at her and it was cold outside and I didn't want to wash her out there. So I was just, I grabbed her tightly and I brought her into the house and I put her in the shower and I was shampooing her with an energy of being very mad. What are you doing? In Spanish, we say castigada. You are punished. I'm so upset with you. Why did you do this? And she was shaking and trembling because she didn't know what she did wrong. And here I was so upset with her being covered in whale guts again when I had things I had to do and I was not wanting to do this. Enter trauma. Just this one event changed Ona because of the energy that I reacted to the situation with and the sensitive, this little sensitive soul bringing her into this new location, being so angry with her. From that point forward, Ona never would even step a paw into the bathroom. Like she would avoid the rooms that even came close to the bathroom. And since that time, we moved to three new houses together and she never would go near the bathroom. Bathroom off limits. Ona had such a strong association with the bathroom being scary and bad that she would not dare cross that line. So fast forward now, six years later, Ona, still super afraid of bathrooms, will not cross the line of going into the bathroom. By this point, her and I are so bonded. We've been through everything. We've been through so much together. She was with me every step of the way of breakups and cross-country moves and starting companies and releasing apps and doing podcasts. She was with me every step of the way. She's right next to me right now as I record this, the ultimate companion in my life an emotional support dog through and through. Her sensitivity is her greatest superpower. And one day, I was having a major emotional meltdown. I was dating this guy and I projected all of my lovability and desirability onto him. And of course the projection fell and I was so devastated (laughs) and I was dramatically bawling my eyes out on the bathroom floor. And Ona was there watching me fall apart emotionally and I could see her standing right at the door of the bathroom and I was just crying and crying and crying and she did her little whimper like come here get out of the bathroom I'm here for you but I'm not gonna go any closer because you're in the bathroom I was in such a hard place in my life at that moment in time I was so wrapped up in my own emotional pain and what took me out of it was as I started to notice where Ona was going through her own inner conflict of whether she should cross the line, come closer to me to do what she does best, emotional support, or if she should stay back and wait for me to come out of the bathroom. She had this competing tension. I could see it. It was so alive in her where she, where she was starting to put her paw into the bathroom and then putting it back and then putting it forward a little more. And then there was this point where it was almost like if dogs could talk, she said, F it. 
I'm going in. I'm helping my human. And and she went straight to me as if she just did the scariest thing of her life. And she started licking me all over the face and saying, I'm here for you. Her tail was wagging. It was a proud moment for her because she crossed the line. This line that she would not dare to cross for six years. She crossed it. I was so proud of her to see her overcome this fear. And it totally took me away from my own emotional falling apart. Because I was like, wow, Ona, you did it. She was changed after that. From that moment forward, she would freely come in and out of the bathroom. The bathroom was no longer a scary place for her. All these years, the bathroom was so off limits, so scary, don't even dare. And now the bathroom's just, just another room in the house. She comes into the bathroom when I'm showering all the time and just sits there and waits for me to finish my shower. So she's no longer scared of the bathroom. So one, she had overcome her fear. And two, she also needed to have trust. And watching Ona overcome her fear has been one of the most remarkable things for me to to witness. Because I see it in so many people, so many of us. We have these things that happen early in our life. These little traumas or big capital T traumas. And we go through life saying, not that. (laughs) Ah, don't want to go there. Nope, that's scary. Not going to do that. Not going to cross that line. I'll go in all the other rooms, but I won't go into that room. So we all have these things that have happened to us, whether someone hurt us uh, intentionally or unintentionally. Someone made us feel less than intentionally or unintentionally. And these end up creating that line in the sand of where I feel safe going here. I don't feel safe going here. I feel safe with this. I don't feel safe with this. And then there comes a time when we have to face that fear in order to become who we're fully meant to be. We have to put our foot where we're afraid for it to go and trust. Trust that if we go into this new situation, that it's not going to be like the old situation. And then when we start to go into this new environment, this new place that we've been so scared of, more often than not, we realize that there's nothing to be scared of all of this time. And if something that you don't want to happen does happen, it's important to realize that you're different now. You have more resources available to cope. Now, how does Ona's overcoming of her fear apply to you? Where is the bathroom in your life? We always have the option to take one step forward into growth or one step back into safety. And I highly, highly recommend taking those steps forward into growth. The greatest things in life are on the other side of fear. So let's not waste another precious moment of our lives holding ourselves back. And if you want support to cultivate the courage to face your own fears in recovery, head over to www.jointhecourageclub.com to get on the waitlist for The Courage Club. The Courage Club is a personalized support system and a supportive community to uplift you every step of the way. Picture yourself surrounded by a community of resilient warriors who genuinely care about your progress and will celebrate every victory, no matter how small, and are walking on a similar path to full eating disorder recovery. Inside, we are tackling struggles with food, body image concerns, and negative thought patterns. Head over to www.jointhecourageclub.com and embrace the journey towards a healthier and happier you. Thank you for tuning in today. And remember that fear doesn't have to hold you back. You can live with greater courage and take back your precious power.